whoever is listening, however you are listening, I want to welcome you back. My name is Grayson Mann, and this is the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 24. Guys, thank you so much for the support, as always, for the show. You really, really killed it on this Lynn Vietri superfan episode. And we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Help us out and subscribe or leave a five-star review if you like what you've listened to. Today, and if you've been following the podcast for the last month or so, a big tournament has just occurred, March Madness. So I decided to put a little tournament together for the people that listen to the show and support it, and we have the winner of the contest here today. His name is Andrew Street. Andrew Street Howells from Amelia Island, Florida. He is the proud alumni of Valdosta State, and he resides from the same high school as my own mother, Burke Marr High School. Andrew, welcome to the show. Grayson, thank you. Thank you for uh, having me on here. It's a pleasure. Thank you. So I really want to start, I, I got your text of list because basically what I wanted to do was the winner got to basically pick his own terms for the show, his own segment, and you had a multitude of things you wanted to talk about, which I was just fascinated about. Usually it's talk about one thing. You weren't shy at all, and I love to hear that. So I just want to talk. start a little bit of golf. Let's talk about the Masters for a little bit. Give me your takeaways because, honestly, I'm not that educated on the Masters this year, especially since Tiger's not in it the tragedy that happened with him in the car accident. Take me through what you thought about the Masters this year. Was it any different than any other more normal year? Sure. So, yeah, so this year, you know, was a lot different, I think, you know, with COVID hitting and, and uh, you know, the, the tournament was last played in November. They moved it back for November last year. And, you know, the course is different in November than it is, you know, uh, temporary, you know, like it is in April. And um, I, I think the score showed it. I think the tournament – uh, the course played uh, like it should have in the past, um, and it was very enjoyable to watch. Um, you know, we, of course, we had the um, uh, first winner of any major from Japan, uh, Hideki Matsumi Mop, that uh, won the tournament, and um, you know, it was uh, a great showing. I know that uh, that country is proud, and I tell you, it was fun to watch, and. Um, you know, then we had uh, uh, the runner-up, Will Zalatoris, who played his college golf at Wake Forest, um, you know, finished second. And then, you know, you had the uh, George Spieth finally coming on. He had won the week prior in Texas. And, uh, you know, so it was, it was good for golf. We had the leaderboard was jam-packed with, with good names. Uh, you know, I wish Dustin Johnson would have showed. You know, he, he failed to make the cut. So did Roy McIlroy. Uh, but you know, all in all, the tournament uh, uh, was a very good tournament. Uh, you know, Sunday afternoon, late. I know the nerves uh, get to these players, and you can see the uh, the score start dropping. You know, Hideki at one time had a, a five stroke lead, and, and uh, ended up holding on to win by one stroke uh, over over Will. So, so it was it was, it was a, a fun tournament, great tournament. Uh, the weather was perfect, except for the the, the afternoon rain. On Saturday, which I think helped the greens and uh, slowed them down. If you had watched Thursday and Friday, th- those those greens were real fast, so uh, it, w- it was enjoyable to watch. You know, just for a standpoint, you know, with the Ryder Cup coming up this year, uh, you know, Hideki moved up from the world rankings from 25th to 14th, and now he's you know uh, on the front page of that, especially for the President's Cup. And uh, like I said, Will Zalatoris, who I believe this is his first year as being a uh, professional. Uh, went from 46th to 27th, which was, I think, the biggest jump of the week for any of the pros. 
And like I said, Jordan Speed, who is working his way back up, uh, you know, is now 29th in the world. So, uh, all in all, it was a great tournament. Yes, I would have loved to see Tiger there. Uh, fortunately, with, with his accident, um, you know, as I spoke to you earlier, I, I, I really think Tiger had a shot if he, if he was healthy uh, to win this tournament. Uh, unfortunately, we'll never know. And um, but uh, anyway, I think it was I think it was a great it was a great opening to the uh, major season. And, you know, looking forward next to the uh, U.S. Open. It seemed like it kind of came out of nowhere because we had the Masters so close in November. And then watching the March Madness tournament, Jim Nance occasionally would advertise it. And I was like, wait a second. We just had this happen. So it, it was kind of like a double event, sort of say. And speaking of Jim Nance, basically the voice of sports, also is the voice of March Madness. And you were the winner of the tournament for it. So let's talk about your process. Why Baylor? Why was the Baylor your pick over the over, overly favorited Gonzaga? Sure. So, yeah, I, yeah there again, I, and once again, thank you for inviting me to be on this, uh, uh, on this, uh, you know, the tournament, um, uh, tournament challenge there. And, uh, you know, your, your mother, who I went to high school with, Meryl, I want to give a shout out to her. Hey, Meryl. Um, you know, she sent me an invite to try it, and you know, I, you know, I said, okay, let me do it. You know, I have another league that I that I do it in. So, um, you know, the process is, you know, it was a strange year. Once again, I think a lot of it's strange with COVID, uh, just with the uh, trying to follow the college basketball. You know, the 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 games were kind of not shortened, but a lot of the, the top games that were originally scheduled, uh, you know, the the, the, the games got. You know, some of them got canceled, and uh, you know, Baylor and Gonzaga was supposed to meet earlier in the year, and uh, you know, unfortunately, Baylor had the, the COVID issue, and I think Baylor dealt with that throughout the year. But uh, you know, just going through trying to you know catch um you know all the games and the and the teams. Um, the reason why Baylor, I just you know just watching them the whole year, um, I just think their competition. They were more competition ready than Gonzaga. Um, you know, they, uh, you know, the, their schedule was a little bit tougher. Um, but by far away, I don't want to take anything away from Gonzaga. Gonzaga and Baylor were by far out through the whole year the number one and two team uh, in the nation. And I don't think um, there was anybody that was even close uh, after that. You know, I know you mentioned Jim Dance. You know, his, his alma mater, Houston, uh, you know, had a, had a great run in it. And, um, uh, and you know, UCLA – uh, you know, had a great run, and I, and I tell you, UCLA is going to uh, they're going to be a tough out next year, and a lot of people will probably have them, you know, in the top five next year starting out. And of course, Gonzaga should start out as number one, but you know, just going through the picks, um, you know, there's always kind of a formula that you try to follow, and you know, uh, you, you always want a, a twelve beating a five, and uh, you know, who would have known that we had some uh, you know big upsets that most of everybody. It wasn't a perfect bracket after the first day, especially after Oral Roberts uh, pulling that upset. Oh, yeah. I feel like the biggest takeaway from this tournament was you really, at least how I wanted to pick it when I was trying to get my, like, serious brackets was, especially this year, I feel like chalk was the best way to go, and I'd pick, like, the better team more than more than I usually would. And then it kind of just flipped over on its head because I think it's such a strange year, especially – I compared it almost to the NBA bubble where everybody was in the same spot. Everyone was in the right. same hotels, the same place. And once you got the COVID fear kind of shaken off, like, all right, everyone's here. Let the likelihood of that virus kind of tr- gone away a little bit. 
it felt like everyone was on an even playing field, and, and it was especially true with teams like Oral Roberts, Loyola Chicago, and then UCLA, that teams just come out of nowhere, and it just made the tournament so much more entertaining than I anticipated it being, even without the fans. Yeah, and, and I think, and I agree. I think you know, without the fans being there, um, you know, it's uh, you know, I hope it didn't take away the experience for these student athletes uh, because you know, like I said, they earned it. These these teams earned it to be in there, and uh, you know, it was a shame that they didn't have crowds there. But there again, I think you know, with, with no crowds there, I think it uh, it plays into the hands of you know, where say you have a a, a big team that that's playing a you know a smaller seed and. And, uh, you know, you have a large crowd there and, and um, you know, nerves kick in. And, um, you know, I just think with, the, with no being there, there's no really a home court advantage. And uh, I think that helped out some of the, the teams to bring them close together uh, with the tournament that we had and, and, and then all the upsets that we had. I really want to take this this tape that I've seen kind of float around. And maybe you think it'll, it'll it's maybe a little overblown. Gonzaga needs to change conferences. What's your take on that? Maybe them shifting over to the Pac-12, getting more competition ready for games like Baylor, where in that game it seemed like Gonzaga was completely mentally and physically unprepared for a team that was just swarming them play after play, shot after shot. Sure, UCLA is good competition, but it felt like Baylor was just a different breed. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, Gonzaga's been in the same conference, and, and, and you know, Gonzaga has been around, you know, Oh, I, you know, I want to remember when I was in college when they first started coming, you know, coming about, you know, so that staying power. And the way that I look at it, it you know, with the football mentality is, is, you know, when Boise State had that run uh, where they were, you know, they weren't in a big conference, but, you know, every once in a while they would knock off an Oklahoma, you know, they knocked off Georgia one year. Um, but, you know, they didn't really have staying power. It was like five, six, seven years. And then, you know, they've been kind of off the map lately where Gonzaga just it seems like every year they're growing and and growing and growing. But, you know, you look at the conference, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, Santa Clara, Pepperdine. You know, those are all great schools. But, yeah, you, I think you have to you have to play above a little bit more, you know, to, to get better, you know, competitive ready. Now, you know, it wasn't their fault. You know, they had a – uh, you know, some games that were canceled and, and uh, you know, Baylor being the big one. I mean, you know, they scheduled Kansas, who, who kind of had an off year. Um, you know, West Virginia, Auburn, uh, the first of the year. But, but like I said, I think just at the end, uh, just with Baylor, it seemed like every night they were playing a, a top 20 team from their conference. And, uh, you, know, they, uh, you know, Gonzaga, you know, blazed through the tournament, per se, uh, until they got to UCLA and, and – uh, you know, UCLA took them into overtime there, and, and uh, you know, the uh, uh, they're they're the end with the uh, the shot by Suggs and uh, sent them to the final. And, and like I said, I think that also kind of played in uh, to the, the championship game where Gonzaga may not have their feet under them and uh, ready to go. And boy, it showed there in the you know the, the first half there, especially when uh, Baylor got off to that. Uh, great run, and Gonzaga was just never able to catch their breath. It, the The comparison I wanted to make with Gonzaga was like Notre Dame football. The, the way they are now, it seems that Notre Dame, with being in the independence, they're not really aligned to any conference. And it was different this year because of COVID. And they were able to knock off Clemson one time. But then when they got their guys back, it seemed like Notre Dame was outmatched, and even more so when they played Alabama, who was the future national champion with Devonta Smith, Mac Jones, just the 
annihilation all over the board when Alabama was playing anybody. Notre Dame-Gonzaga, does that seem like a fair comparison, or is it just because it's two different sports? Is it not really that fair to make? Well, you know, I, I think it is now because, like I said, Gonzaga's had that staying power now. I mean, they've been, what, they, they've been in the top 20 now uh, in college basketball for, like, last 10 years, I would say, if not more. And, you know, with, with, with Notre Dame, you know, you know, Notre Dame had the, 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 the low years of that nature. And, and um, you know, Brian Kelly, you know, since coming on, has, has you, know, the, you know, I don't know if you remember the 2012 uh, National Championship game against Alabama. You know, Alabama just, you know, it was, it, was, it was two different teams on the field. And I think Brian Kelly understood at that time he's got to get better players faster players and and uh, you know that's what he did but you know with the comparison i, I agree you know um you know notre dame you know with the football they're able to schedule you know who they want to schedule and and um uh you know with gonzaga unfortunately you, you have to kind of get in the conference because you know there's really no independence in basketball uh that you you know you can't you have to have a tournament to play in to, to get in the tournament and uh you know right now i just think gonzaga you know um, if there's a conference out there that they can move into, uh, you know, I think they would be looking. And, and uh, you know, and, and, I, and I know they don't really have a football team or anything like that. So uh, it may be kind of hard. Their hands may be kind of tied to, to where, they, where they would fit in somewhere, especially out in the West Coast. Right. And I feel like with the whole – the argument is they're in the West Coast. They're dominating these teams. Once they get in the tournament, they kind of start to get their – once you start to get punched in the mouth and you've all year been flying around – basically being able to do whatever you want, it mentally gets at you. I think that game against UCLA, that I think many could argue that was the best game of the tournament. Sure. Let's say Suggs misses that shot. UCLA might have been able to pull out a win and probably one of the biggest upsets in college basketball history, but they probably would have turned around and gotten smacked in the face by Baylor too. So it just seems like Gonzaga either way was in a losing shot. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 you know, they had that tough draw. You know, they... they were playing by arguably the the team that was the hottest was UCLA and and uh, then they played to the probably the second team that was hottest the Baylor and and uh, you know that's just you know it was forty eight hours apart and that's just you know it's it's tough and um, you know Baylor was ready and Gonzaga was not. So let's talk about teams that are on fire, but let's talk about the football teams that are on fire. Clemson and Georgia have arguably <laughs> the biggest matchups going into 2021. Hopefully we can get Charlotte full of fans, full crowd. It would be an electric game to start off the 2021 season. Back to normalcy. What are your takeaways being the big Georgia fan that you are, and me being the Clemson student that I am, how do you think that Georgia takes on Clemson and takes home the W? So, yeah, so, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I, you know, I grew up in the Athens area. My my mother's from Athens. actually went to school with, with Fran Targeton, high school with Fran Targeton, a, a Georgia uh, legend. And, and uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, I think the, the kickoff classic being in Charlotte uh, is great. Um, you know, I've been to some of the games in Athens uh, back in the 80s, back when, you know, we played every year. Uh, per se, and it's just the the electricity, which I'm sure was the, was the same in Death Valley uh, when when Georgia came to town back then, and and uh, you know back in the '80s, both teams were late '70s, '80s, both teams were powerhouses, and um, there again, once again, you know we see that now, both teams, especially Clemson, with their national championships, 
Uh, it seems like them and them in Alabama every year now are fighting one two about who's going. So I, I think it's great. I'm looking forward to it. Um, the city of Charlotte is a great host. You know, I believe it seats seventy four thousand. I don't know if they're going to bring in extra seatings, but you know, you split it down the middle. You know, you got half the crowd Clemson, half the crowd Georgia. I think it's going to be very interesting. Both teams, you know, have question marks coming in, and uh, both teams though have some. Very good strengths, and I think uh, the two that I want to hit on basically is is one, you know, Georgia's front seven against maybe Clemson's maybe its weakest that I think is their offensive line uh, compared to what I think Clemson's strength is is their passing game going against a Georgia team that's basically you know they have no returning starters on their on their cornerbacks, um, you know they do have a free safety. Uh, that is back, and then they were able to pick up uh, uh, the kid from West Virginia in the transfer portal, but we don't know if he's going to be able to play or not. So I think those two, uh, you know, comparisons about the strengths and the weakness of each, I think it's going to make it a very interesting ball game. The thing that I'm most excited for and probably most thankful is that DJ are looks like to be, a lot of people are touting him as the next number one pick after Trevor. I mean, the kid is absolutely fantastic. We went to the spring game. Watched him play. He looked calm, cool, and collected like he always is. I'm thankful that he was able to get experience against Notre Dame, a team while we just spent a couple minutes ago knocking them as kind of a team that doesn't really stand up to the competition of a Clemson, Alabama, or in basketball case, a Baylor. I'm glad DJ got that experience in such a big game because I would have been really concerned if his first start as a college quarterback would have been against Georgia. That's not really where you want to be, and it felt like kind of a Cole Stout situation in 2014 where he had a stud like Deshaun Watson on the sideline, and Cole Stout kind of came in, and it was it was all right at first, but then that talent of Georgia just took over. Yeah, so, you know, yeah, you're right. So, you know, uh, he's coming in. You know, did he, I want to say he started the Boston College game, maybe, too. Right, he did. Yeah, so, you know, he, you know, um, I, I think it's a great experience. He had two big games. It was a close game with Boston College, if I remember correctly. Um I think it was a six-point game, I believe, and, and uh, you know, DJ had great numbers uh, that game, and, and it was, you know, his first game as a starter, and then, you know, he came out um, uh, the next game against, you know, Notre Dame, uh, at Notre Dame, and, uh, you know, it was two-overtime game, a game that kept going back and forth. DJ had over 400 yards passing. You know, the running game wasn't really, you know, Travis wasn't really – uh, running that game, you know, his numbers were down a little bit that game, but just to have DJ going to a tough place to play at Notre Dame, you know, I know the crowds weren't as big, but still, it's still tough. It's it's Notre Dame, it's, it's uh, you know, the hollow grounds up there, and, and I think DJ did a great job, and, uh, you know, I, with, with him coming to quarterback, I don't think, you know, yes, Clemson, you know, Clemson is going to miss um, uh, Trevor, uh, Trevor, but you know what? I don't. You know, I, I think they're in good hands. I also want uh, to touch on the point that you made with Clemson's offensive line versus Georgia front seven, and with Travis Etienne, I think we're going to miss him more than we think because I think he was able to mask a lot of the problems that Clemson had establishing that front seven and kind of being that anchor. Because in fresh his freshman and sophomore year, he was phenomenal. In junior year, there was just something missing. But occasionally, he'd pop out a forty-yard, fifty-yard run. And you kind of forget about all the problems. And now you're kind of having to establish a running back room. Who's going to be your number one against an SEC defensive line in Georgia that usually produces NFL talent? 
Yeah, so you, you know, you know, you, you lose Travis. You know, Trevor was your your second leading rusher last year, uh, per se. But you know, you got you got two guys coming back. I think Lynn, Jay Dixon, and and uh, Chaz are coming back. Um, you know, those are great two. You know, starts. Uh, they, they they've got some some something underneath them, and you know, I think DJ may give them that 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 option as well too. And like I said, I just. Uh, to me, that the running backs in the offensive line for Clemson as the year progresses, you're going to see them progress. And uh, I, I, I think once after the Georgia game, after looking at the Clemson schedule, you know, you know, no matter who wins the Georgia Clemson game, I think both teams are kind of set up with their schedule uh, that you know they should be able to, you know, to run the the gauntlet there. Uh, you know, you're at North Carolina State. Um, you're at Syracuse, which in the past, you know, Clemson's had some some tough games up at Syracuse, but I just like I, I don't think Syracuse is is on par with those other Syracuse teams of the past. Um, and, and you know, you're at Louisville, which you know that they're improving, but you know everything else I think is is there for you. And, and um, you know, I just I just think whoever loses that game, the first game, I don't think any either one of them are out of it. Right. Um, and they have you such know, a big Georgia, name, too. Yeah. You know, Georgia has a little different schedule, but their schedule sets up perfectly, you know. Uh, basically, Georgia comes down to almost a, I hate to say it, a, a, a three-game schedule, but, you know, every game is important. Uh, you know, Clemson, and then, you know, they, they play at Auburn, but I think Auburn's going to be a little down this year, got a new head coach. But, you know, it's always the one here, you know, in Jacksonville, where I'm from, uh, Georgia, Florida, which usually uh, last several years – uh, besides the outcome of the SEC East, but just quickly, I, I uh, just want to briefly, but, you know, one team you need to watch out for, I think, is Missouri. I don't think they're ready, but, you know, I think Missouri um, could trip, you know, Florida or somebody up in the season somewhere. But, like I said, I don't think any of this first game uh, is going to dictate how Clemson and Georgia go for this year. Uh, like I said, I'm very excited for it, you know, um, it's just, uh, you know, a lot of unknowns. Um, I think both offenses uh, will both be, you know, with Georgia with JT Daniels and, uh, you know, Clemson with DJ, you know, both both offenses should be top 20 nationally. And, and I'll tell you what, Clemson's defense, uh, if they're not the best defense that's coming back, I you know, I don't know who would be. You know, that, that maybe Alabama's got a great defense, but, you know, you got 10 of your returners coming back, so – um, I, you know, that's, that, that's always a big help, especially when usually the first of the year, your, your defense is usually ahead of your offense. Right. Especially with a new quarterback coming in a new system, you got to get that chemistry down, but I think we're going to see a lot of fireworks. Would you like to make a standout player or a prediction last minute prediction before we move on to our final topic? <laughs> I, I, you know, I, you know, I, I hate doing the early prediction. It's just because you have so much that's still out there. Georgia's got their spring game this week, and Georgia, unfortunately, they lost their best, I would say their best offensive weapon in the spring for probably for the year uh, in Pickens. And, uh, you know, I, you know I'd know, i like to see it, you know, the spring game and then and then see how the summer camps are going. You know, you do have still have some freshmen that are coming in. Though it seems like now the, the freshmen that sign are usually in camp, you know, for their first spring practice. Uh, you know, and it's also kind of tough to tell because last year everybody missed spring, you know, spring practice. Right. So a lot of the teams like Georgia on offense last year who, 
had a question mark at quarterback. We thought, and you know, until we until uh, Jamie Newman came in, but then you know, unfortunately, he left uh, a week before the season start uh, due to COVID. There was just a lot of unknown. You know, you didn't get that practice in. So now you got that practice. You got that summer uh, coming about when it's just the players, you know, motivating themselves. And then you got the uh, you got the, uh, the, the 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 fall practice you would the summer camps. And uh, you know, I, I tell you right now, I haven't seen a Vegas line uh, per se. But if if I was a betting man, which I'm not, um, you know, I, I think it, it's going to be. Uh, maybe a pick them game. I just, like I said, I think both teams, they, they're just, you know, they're, they're top tens on, on pretty much everything in their, you know, offense, defense, special teams. And uh, like I said, it's uh, it's going to come down to play. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just excited. I'm, re- I'm ready for it now, you know? Oh, yeah. I think we all are. <laughs> Definitely. I, I, it'll be very special to hear. I would assume Kerb Herbstreit and Chris Fowler will be calling that game, and just to hear a roar of crowd, that energy is just going to be something we haven't heard in a long time. That's going to be something I am most excited for. So, chill, chill bumps, chill bumps. Oh yes, oh yes. Final topic. Usually, I'm interviewing people, and I, I get this unique perspective with you, and I'm very excited to ask you about this. Take me sure. through your high school football days. Like, what were your the best <laughs> moments? The worst moments, because I can, a lot of this stuff, a lot of my listeners are probably going to be able to relate to those those grueling summer practices, that one last gasser. It's just something that I've never been able to put on this podcast, so just take me through what it was like being a high school football player, especially so sure. it's changed so much in the last 20, 30 years. Oh, yeah, so definitely back, you know, in the day, you know, back when we were, it wasn't, it wasn't 24-7, you know, you had, there were a certain amount of times off that you had, you know, plus you had a lot of you know, there wasn't a, a basically a specialization per se, uh, where to now where you have you know the the baseball specialization, the football, the the seven on sevens. Yeah, we had football camps and stuff like that, but nowhere near like you do today. It's just so specialized today, and and uh, it's a different time. And and uh, you know, we used to still have to you know back in the day when you, when you played on a Friday night, you still had the real tape where you actually had the projector tape. You know projecting the game and there was no email to send them to the teams the coaches had to had to pick somewhere and meet them halfway to exchange game film uh for, for god's sake so uh it was a special time uh you know one that i miss i still you know you know i still dream about and uh, i'm sure anyone that's played high school football looks back uh and uh, always says what might have could have right um, could have should have would have yeah, exactly, which is, you know, a big saying, you know, uh, my time playing football, um, you know, I, I still talk to several of my, my teammates. We um, we get together once a year, if not twice a year, and uh, we get together, a group of us, uh, uh, for that, especially my graduating class of 88, um, and so we are able to still spend time with each other on that. Like I said, just the day-to-day, you know, just the grind, you know, something that you miss, and you know, it prepares you for life, you know, I believe. It just prepares you to, to mentally and get focusedly challenged on, you know, life. And, and uh, you know, we, we, we had some good years. We had some not great years. Uh, my high school team, the first year we ever made the playoffs uh, for my high school was in 85. And, um, you know, we had a, a good freshman year and a sophomore year. Uh, we had a, a decent team our junior year. We just – we lost – three games by a point or less and 
you know, our senior year, we were just, uh, you know, we had won a couple of games, but, uh, you know, we were a tough, tough conference. I mean, you know, we were playing teams like Newton County who had Adele Carter and Jake Reed on the team. And, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's tough to defend that. Uh, Clark Central High School, which was a powerhouse back then. And then, uh, and your mom can relate to, she knows, uh, in the Atlanta area, Brookwood and Parkview just started coming up and, you know, since then they've both won a lot of state championships, uh, in, in that, but, uh, Anyway, yeah, so that was, was a great experience. I'll tell you what, we had the greatest cheerleaders. Uh, your mom was great. The whole cheerleading uh, for, for, for Burt Mar, they were, they were, they were great. Uh, I can't say enough about that. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to see a bunch of them uh, several years ago. And, and uh, there again uh, at, at our reunion uh, several years ago, and it seemed like nothing changed, which, which is always good. So it's, you know, you, you, know, you keep in touch, you know. Uh, with, with your high school friends, you know, you spent four years, some, sometimes more than that, with middle school, and then everybody goes away, and, you know, you meet your new friends in college, but eventually it comes back around when you get older, you, you know, you, you, you still keep in touch with those high school friends and teammates, no matter if it be in football, basketball, baseball, golf, or whatever you did in, in high school. Right. And that's just really what it's all about, that just the friendships, the bonds that you create, it lasts more than just the years you play the fo- play football, play in high school. It really is something you can look back on. I still talk to some of my teammates, and some even in middle school. It's something that is very special to me. So to end this off, I want to kind of get a laugh out of you. I want to take take me through your best play as a high school football player and your worst play as a high school football player. I will start. There was a unfortunate – we were playing my senior year, and I was playing safety. And we were playing against the team. We were getting smoked. It was crushed. It was just terrible. And – we were playing against a team running like triple option. We were they're just trying to run out the clock, and they had this big dude. And so it, you gotta have to make a decision, like mentally, split second. Do I want to get run over by this dude and make the tackle, or am I just gonna kind of like try for it? So I, I went for option one and just got completely obliterated. I have it on my phone. My my friends will bring it up from time to time as something just just to laugh at, and I think it's pretty funny too. Take me through your most your best experience and your worst experience on the on the football field. Yeah, you know, my best experience, I, I would say, maybe in my junior year, um, you know, I, I wasn't a starter my junior year. Uh, I was a backup. One of our starters, Gary Lamons, who went to Louisville, unfortunately got hurt on the first play or second play against Clark Central, who at the time was the number one ranked team in, in the state of Georgia. Back then, we were 4A, which was the highest that you could have, but we were playing Clark Central at Clark Central. And uh, I remember him getting hurt, hit the first game, and, and – um, so, you know, Andrew, get in there to go get in there and play defensive tackle, play defensive lineman. And uh, I, I want to say that was the best experience I had. Um, you know, we didn't win the game. It was a competitive game. We, we kept it, you know, close and uh, to a point. Uh, but to me, that was, you know, my really my first big experience besides, you know, being on the special teams and, you know, playing it here and there. But, you know, getting that experience. Um, and then the next week we played uh, Brookwood, who a team – the year prior that we had lost to in the playoffs, um, they were coming in one of the top-ranked teams in the state, and uh, we knocked them off at home. And uh, I just remember a screenplay where their quarterback went back to throw a screen, and I did my job. I stayed at home, and I, I dropped an interception as a defensive lineman. So that's probably one one of the times that I do regret that I had I had six in front of me, and and uh, oh. I, I dropped the opportunity. Oh no. <laughs> 
and it seemed like the senior year was just a blur. Uh, just you know, like I said, it, you know, we didn't really have a great season. Uh, we had, you know, we, we you know we won some games, you know, uh, not more than we we wish we could have, and and uh, you know, just the com- the commodity that I had with my with you know with, with the other players, and uh, you know, like I said, it was just a special time, and and. Uh, I tell you what, if, if you're a senior out there in high school listening or you've been there, you know it. It seems like it just goes by so fast. Right. Uh, those Friday nights. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, I'm sure everyone that's played the game, been associated with it, cheerleaders, band, parents, you know, it's just once you once you leave it, you miss it. And uh, until you can, you know, maybe have a, a son or a daughter or something that's part of the program where you can go back and, and kind of relive it. And I had the unique opportunity this summer, and I hope that if he's listening, Coach Myers, I, I want to come back for the summer. I was able to coach some of the summer practices and just kind of learn the other side of that process and just seeing how the teams developed. Being an alumni, I'm really excited where this program's headed. Pinewood prep football is on the rise. So I just want to thank you so much, Andrew, for coming on. It was such a pleasure to have you. Congratulations on being the winner of the Man with the Plan podcast I, I, bracket. Grace, I appreciate it. Does that mean I get an automatic invite? Do I get like a, like a green jacket or anything like that for I mean, like invite next year? Or? For future tournaments, we could get you like a green jacket or like a hat. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> right, well, Grace, I appreciate it. And hey, look, I look forward to meeting you one day and, and uh, tell your mother I said hello and, and uh, I appreciate it. Uh, the pleasure was, well, you know, thank you so much. I'll make sure to get you a jacket when we meet in person, all right? You never know. All right, guys, that was the Man with a Plan podcast, episode 24. Guys, I hope you enjoyed. If you listened all the way, consider leaving a like, comment what you want to see next, and subscribe for more. Andrew, any final thoughts before we take off? No, I just, like I said, I just uh, uh, hope everybody's, you know, keep safe out there. And uh, uh, like I said, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, guys, this is the Man with a Plan podcast, episode 24. Have a fantastic day. And as always, take care.